Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Join us as we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer questions to help people with kidney disease or a transplant live well. Today's hot topic is plant-based diets. For some kidney patients, eating more plant-based foods may help prevent and slow the progression of chronic kidney disease. But what exactly does a plant-based diet entail? And how do you know if this diet is right for you? In this episode, we sat down with Brittany Sparks, who is a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in renal nutrition. She has a private practice in Colorado where she works with kidney patients to help improve their outcomes and reduce the progression of chronic kidney disease. We also spoke with Eric Singer, who was diagnosed with focal segmental glomerular sclerosis, also known as FSGS, in 2007 and currently advocates for whole food plant-based diets. Hi, my name is Patty McCormick. I'm the program director for the National Kidney Foundation and a registered nurse and very grateful to be here today. So Brittany, could you provide us an overview on plant-based diets and kidney disease? Yeah, so plant-based diets and kidney disease, in particular, a whole food plant-based diet um, has many benefits for those with kidney disease. I'm sure many of you joining the podcast here today have probably come across some recommendations or for plant-based eating and kidney disease. So what is all the hype with plant-based eating for those with kidney-related issues? Um, so I'll point out a few things. There, There's a lot of research, um, especially epidemiological and observational studies that have looked at different types of eating patterns and how it relates to progression for chronic kidney disease. I will say we don't have as many randomized controlled trials, but we do have a lot of um, these epidemiological and observational studies. And this is sort of what guided us in the direction of plant-based eating for those with chronic kidney disease. So what all these studies showed was in individuals that consumed more red meat intake, we saw faster progression and stage kidney disease. Those that consumed more poultry, seafood products, there was no correlation with faster progression and stage kidney disease. But what these studies showed is more plant-based uh, protein or seemed to help and have a protective effect with uh, CKD progression. So it's with these epidemiological and observational studies that got the research world into taking a closer look at plant-based eating as a potential benefit for those with kidney-related disorders. Um, and then we have a lot of smaller studies looking at the why. Why are we seeing these correlations with um, positive benefits for plant-based eating and those with kidney disease? One might deal with phosphorus load. So phosphorus is an essential nutrient. We need to consume a certain amount a day. But when um, in individuals with chronic kidney disease, as kidney filtration declines, this is a nutrient that could, the kidneys are going to have a harder time filtering out. And what we now know is um, with phosphorus, okay, so phosphorus is going to be found in anything with protein. So animal-based protein sources, we're going to find phosphorus. Plant-based sources of proteins, we're going to find phosphorus in those foods as well. But what we know is animal-based proteins, that phosphorus, we absorb about 70%. And plant-based sources of protein, that phosphorus is poorly absorbed, around 40%. So we know that plant-based sources of protein put less phosphorus load on the kidney just because it is absorbed to a lesser extent. We also know that 
the kidneys play a role with keeping our body's um, acid-base balance. So when we eat certain foods, we get all these end products of metabolism. And some are acid-producing compounds and some are basic-producing compounds. And the kidneys help keep our body in balance. So they filter out what our body doesn't need to maintain a normal pH level. We know that when we consume animal-based proteins, we get a lot more acid load. When we consume a lot more fruits and vegetables um, or plant-based proteins, they either have a neutral or a basic load. And the issues with when as kidney function declines is the kidneys are going to have a harder time balancing that out. So individuals with later stages of chronic kidney disease are prone to getting what's called metabolic acidosis, where our bodies become too acidic. The kidneys can't filter out those end products of metabolism as well. Um, so having an eating pattern that incorporates more foods where we get less of these acid producing compounds helps with that metabolic acidosis, helps put less acid load on the kidneys. So that's another potential benefit. Some other benefits are going to be with dietary fiber. So plant-based proteins such as beans and legumes are a great source of dietary fiber. And we have studies showing that in individuals with chronic kidney disease and the general population, dietary fiber is a nutrient that's consumed or under-consumed, um, where we're not getting enough of. And uh, studies have shown that in individuals with greater fiber intake, we, we see improvements with um, those with kidney disease, one in regards to what's called uremic toxins. So these are also byproducts of metabolism that the kidneys help filter out. And when we have an eating pattern that's adequate in fiber, we see less of these uremic toxins. Um, and these uremic toxins, um, as we lose kidney filtration, could cause um, what's called uremic syndrome. So this usually occurs at later stages of chronic kidney disease, and an individual might experience a decrease in appetite, taste changes, nausea, um, or just an overall feeling of not feeling well, decreased energy levels. So this is called uremic syndrome. And uh, studies have shown that having adequate fiber helps lessen these um, uremic toxin buildups and can potentially help with improving those symptoms. So there is another benefit as in animal-based proteins, we get mostly saturated fat, um, cholesterol, and protein. Whereas plant-based proteins, we get, a, we get a big chunk of dietary fiber as well. Um, so that is another potential avenue of seeing benefits for plant-based eating pattern. And an, another one I would like to highlight is with a plant-based whole food approach, we get more exposure to antioxidants. We get less saturated fat, less cholesterol. Um, so these have been shown to be helpful with improving inflammation, which also may be um, beneficial with helping with, with kidney function. Um, so those are some of the overviews of sort of some of the highlights of a plant-based eating pattern for those with, with chronic kidney disease. Thank you so much, Brittany. There's a lot of information there, and I want to assure our listeners that we'll give some resources later in this uh, podcast so you can follow up and dig in. But next, I want to turn to Eric and ask him to share a little bit about his kidney disease story when he was diagnosed and the progression over the years and how he came to work with Brittany. Yeah, thank, thank you, Patty, for the question, and I'm truly happy to be here. So I was diagnosed in 
2007 with FSGS uh, after doing some routine lab work uh, right before going to college, right? The blood tests, the, the urine tests. Um, and, and I was lucky um, that I ended up being diagnosed with secondary FSGS, so the, the less aggressive form. Um, when I was diagnosed back in 2007, I was sitting around a stage three chronic kidney disease and it was a pretty regular decline right from there. That would be, I would say, typical for kidney disease patients. And then, you know, really going into December of 2020, right, mid-COVID, uh, my kidneys started a fairly rapid decline. So I went from a probably a 25, 26 GFR down into the mid-teens over the course of a month or two. What that did, right, is it kind of launched the whole process of being referred out for a transplant. Uh, so my nephrologist and I had discussed uh, me being an eligible candidate for a preemptive transplant. So starting the process of working with family and friends to see if anyone would be eligible, uh, right, or willing to donate me a kidney. But the biggest thing for me about what drove me to the, the plant-based diet was that I started feeling the symptoms. So for me, you know, my disease had been um, asymptomatic for the majority of my uh, experience with FSGS. It was I was a normal kid in college doing normal things that didn't feel I didn't feel any different. And what happened when my GFR really dipped below that 20 GFR level into the mid teens is I started feeling symptomatic, uh, where right the, the nausea that Brittany talked about, uh, and the other you know, more typical symptoms. But for me, the biggest one was the fatigue. You know, I'm a you know, 31-year-old with a three-and-a-half-year-old and a, a two-year-old at home, and uh, I was taking naps longer uh, than my two-year-old. And for me, that didn't feel like a normal thing uh, that somebody my age should be uh, experiencing. And uh, at that point, right, through the, the intensity of the transplant discussions, meeting with the transplant team, the transplant surgeon, the transplant nephrologist, the, the whole team of people. It made me think maybe there's right some other things that we can do, right? With the ultimate goal being to keep my kidneys in me as long as possible, right? So every month or two that I can keep these uh, these kidneys that I'm touching right now, you can't see it on the podcast side, is uh, is a is a good thing for me. Um, so, so that's really what brought me to Brittany was, you know, really looking for somebody to help guide us through uh, the whole foods plant-based process, right? It being a, you know, fairly large lifestyle change for, for me and my family, you know, as we were going through this together. Um, so that's what brought me to Brittany and a little bit about my, uh, my backstory. And how did you actually find Brittany? Yeah, so I was lucky. Um, I was referred to Brittany from a friend who's in in the the kidney space. So it was lucky uh, for me that I was able to kind of navigate this path. We had worked with regular like nutritionists or dietitians before, but given the gravity of the situation, it felt at least for me that uh, it was time to look for somebody who specialized right in the space of you know the renal diet, um, which you know really has paid dividends for me. Brittany, I think uh, we can all agree that navigating the healthcare system can be complicated and frustrating. Uh, sometimes nephrologists aren't supportive. Can you tell us how you worked with Eric's nephrologist to get him or her on board with this diet? First, I'll say that when it comes to kidney disease, it's always helpful to find somebody that really knows nephrology or, or kidney nutrition. And uh, un unfortunately, a, a lot of 
you know, individuals aren't directed to the right individual to help them with the situation. So I want to point out a couple resources that um, may be helpful to our listeners today. If, if you are looking to find more information on locating a, a dietitian that works specifically with kidney disease, the National Kidney Foundation on their website has a find a dietitian database where you could look up um, dietitians that work with um, kidney disorders and um, find them based on state. Um, so you could get some ideas there. There's another great resource that I would recommend, and that's through the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. It's called Find an Expert. So you could go to eatright.org, find an expert, and you could um, put in your zip code and put in renal or kidney disease and get a whole listing of people closest to you that work with um, kidney disorders. So those are two great resources that I think a lot of people don't know of. You could always ask your nephrologist or primary care provider for resources for dietitians to get you started as well. So that that's, you know, a few resources that I would recommend definitely reach out, ask to, to locate someone that specializes in, in this area. The, the one thing that I would add, Brittany, is that right. So uh, Brittany is based out of Colorado. I'm based out of Massachusetts. So the the beauty of Zoom and right, uh, right a lot of downsides to COVID, but the being able to interact over a computer. This was a very successful relationship uh, for me, being able to work uh, with Brittany just over a computer. So uh, you know, the proximity to a renal dietitian isn't necessarily a requirement to working with somebody. That's great. And Brittany, can you talk a little bit about how you got Eric started and then Eric talk about what that felt like on your end to make the big switch? So I will say that, you know, when I work with anyone, nobody is going to be the same. So everyone's going to have their their own basis with nutrition, their their own obstacles or, or their own starting place, let's say. Um, for example, I work in, in Colorado. So the majority of my clients are in Colorado. And with that being said, I work with a lot of ranchers that, you know, that grew up on a cattle farm. And, you know, since they were young, they always had meat and potatoes on their plate. You know, so when I bring up the benefits of a whole food plant-based approach, you know, with these individuals, obviously it, it's going to be unrealistic for many of them to just, you know, drop what they're doing and go completely vegan. Um, so it, it, there are, you have to sort of see where everyone's starting place is. So, you know, one thing that I, I found when working with Eric, I'm always looking at support. You know, Eric had great support um, uh, with a spouse and other extended family members who were able to help him with food preparation and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, I always take a stepwise approach. You know, I lay out all the benefits of a whole food plant-based approach for kidney health, but it's up to the individual on what they're going to be able to do with that. And, and I think for Eric, he, he, he was just at a point where, you know, he, he wanted to see benefits. He wanted to improve his symptoms because he was symptomatic when he, he first came to me and, and he was able to make that step um, to, to go more plant-based whole food approach. Um, so I was able to help guide him there. So, but everyone's going to be different on what they're willing and able to do when it, when it comes to trying to implement a whole food plant-based diet. Yeah. So, so for me, it really, you know, when we started, right. So we had done a little bit before we started working with Brittany. So trying, I right, so read the new Kodoki guidelines. All right. So what are we going to do? And um, right. It started with, all right, back to whole wheat. Okay. So I was trained, right. My kids got their whole wheat loaf. Well, I have my white bread loaf because that's what I was told, not enriched, but white bread loaf. This is what I was told to do. And um 
right? So let's first switch that. Then it was, all right, let's bring back, um, you know, more grains, you know, like Brittany was mentioning the beans back into the diet. And then uh, for me, it was right, the transitioning out of the animal-based proteins. So first it was the red meat and the chicken. Those were uh, fairly easy for me to um, stop eating because we really worked through uh, finding dishes that kind of got me to a place where I was enjoying, right, the sitting down and eating with the family and that sort of thing. Uh, then I, I did fish for a little while and eventually backed fish out of the diet. And I think the hardest one was cheese, right? Giving up cheese is really hard. Uh, I think anybody out there who's, uh, you know, slice of pizza or whatever it may be sitting down, you know, meat and cheese plate, whatever it is. Um, that was hard, really hard for me to get kind of kind of removed from the diet. But we got there and I think it was a it was a challenge over time. Um, but it was for me, the perspective of you're building habits, right? That it's, it's you're building habits that take time. And I remember I have two very close friends of mine who introduced me years ago to the whole food plant-based diet that, all right, you should really do this. I ignore them. Here we are now. I'm listening to them. I remember them telling me, they're like, when you start this, the first month or two are going to be, it's going to be really hard because you're looking at, you know, food is a very cultural thing, how you sit down with your family and your friends and how you navigate uh, restaurants, going out to friend, you know, going out to dinner with friends. These are all challenging things. But uh, what I found is that over time, uh, as I turned what was a change in my uh, lifestyle right into new habits, right, it became easier. So, uh, you know, the one thing that I'll say there was definitely challenging in the beginning, but I'm at a place now where it's uh, just kind of natural, right? How um, you know I you know, live my my day. So, so two things came up when you were talking, Eric. One is uh, the term kadoki. Brittany, if you could explain that. And also, in order to follow a plant-based diet, do does one have to give up all meat and animal products? Yeah, so I, I will mention that the kadoki that Eric is well-educated on is, is um, guidelines for professionals in regards to looking at what research do we have and what recommendations should we be providing to our patients. So it's a big overview of what we know um, and, and what we don't know in research. And it sort of guides the, the kidney professional on, you know, how to navigate recommendations for um, when working with those with chronic kidney disease. And, and these were recently updated this past September. So we have a, a lot of good overview of, of recent research on how we should implement that with patients. You know, one thing that I will point out with, with those guidelines, you know, the, the biggest take-home message with those is in regards to protein. And, and this had one of the highest research gradings with out of those guidelines. It is an overdoing protein. Okay, so we know that, you know, if we overdo protein, whether it be plant-based or animal-based protein, that can potentially increase faster progression to end-stage kidney disease, um, just simply because the kidneys are not going to be able to handle, you know, dealing with extra protein. So we only need a certain amount of protein per day. And, and um, your staging of kidney disease, whether you're spilling protein in the urine, your nutrition status, all that is going to go um, into the, the dietitian's plan on how much protein you specifically need to put less stress on those kidneys. And again, but looking at some of the research, you know, that that 
that's the biggest factor there is not overdoing protein. But again, all the, the protein benefits of a plant-based diet that I mentioned before definitely are going to have some impact on, on the individual and improving outcomes, especially with, I think, uremic syndrome that, that Eric was feeling there too. So I, the, the biggest um, mention what I get from patients when we start implementing the whole food plant-based diet is it helps them feel better. They, it helps get rid of some of those um, uremic syndrome, such as the nausea, the taste alterations. Um, and, and I don't get that from individuals that are still doing a lot of animal-based food. I mostly get that from those that are able to implement that whole food plant-based approach. Are plant-based diets only for those with early stage kidney disease? No, plant-based diets could be for anyone and everyone, and no matter what stage kidney disease you are. And I'll, I'll give you some background on this. I, I have been in nephrology for some time, and um, I, I remember working at a hospital at, at one point in my career, and, and patients that were on dialysis, so end-stage kidney disease, were highly frowned upon for following a plant-based diet. And this used to be the, the recommendations back then. Um, and, and I'll go so, sort of over the basis of why we recommended it, um, these at this point in time. But, you know, when I remember those trays, those meal trays that would go up to these patients, if they were on a vegetarian diet, they weren't allowed to be sent up those beans and legumes or nuts and seeds. Those foods were frowned upon um, for patients on dialysis. And where some of those, you know, recommendations came from is, you know, we, we've completely shifted gears. Now, nowadays, those foods are actually encouraged for those on dialysis. Um, but those old recommendations, avoid the whole grains, avoid the beans, nuts, seeds, and legumes. Um, for one, I think we have to look at what protein is. Okay, so I think that would be the first step in answering this question is protein. Okay, so we need a certain amount of protein a day. Protein is made up of what's called amino acids. So these are the building blocks of protein. Um, there are 20 amino acids um, that our body uses, and nine of these are considered essential. So we have nine essential amino acids, meaning our body is not able to make enough of these, or, or we just don't produce. So therefore, we have to consume these nine essential amino acids. So about 20 years ago, um, we used to think animal proteins were superior over plant-based proteins because animal-based proteins provide all these nine essential amino acids versus plant-based proteins, they're usually missing one and they all vary. One might be missing one, another one might be missing another. So we used to think they were inferior sources of protein. So that's where, you know, some of these recommendations came from. If we put our patients on a plant-based diet, they're not going to be well-nourished because um, they're not getting all the amino acids they need. But that has long been debunked in research where we now know that people on vegan diets or plant-based diets, there's no risk for malnutrition there as long as you're eating a, a well-varied and well-planned diet. So um, our body has amino acid pools. So we don't have to consume all these amino acids in one meal, we're able to reserve them. So as long as somebody's not eating the same thing over and over again, let's say you only eat kidney beans, and that's all you eat every day and every, all meals, you're not going to get all those essential amino acids. But as long as you have a varied diet, research has shown that our, our body is able to maintain adequate nutrition. 
Um, so that's where we used to think that those proteins were in superior. But another, you know, component of that, why we don't see the whole grains or why, you know, Eric still came across to this day that he had to avoid whole grains. Whole grains, you know, they have the whole intact grain, all that fibers there, the antioxidants, the vitamins and minerals. And when we refine that, all that fiber, all those vitamin minerals are removed and you're left with just the starch. So when you compare a whole grain versus a refined grain, yes, the, the whole grain is going to have a little bit more potassium and phosphorus, which are two nutrients that um, somebody with kidney disease might run into issue with. And, and the refined grain is going to have less of those. Okay, so that's where that recommendation came from, you know, use the, the refined grains, because there's hardly any potassium and phosphorus in there versus the whole grain, you're going to get some. But when you actually look at the how much is actually in the whole grains, it's minimal. So for example, you know, oatmeal compared to like a cream of rice cereal, there's a 30 milligram difference there for potassium, you know, on, on a scale of, you know, aiming for 2000, 3000 or whatever, that's very minimal. It's not giving that much of a potassium punch, but you know, that was one area. Let's tell patients, Hey, we can, you know, choose these because you're going to get less exposure to them. And now we know the interplay with fiber, how fiber might actually help with potassium management. And we're actually finding studies um, coming about recently. And, and then again, these are beginning stages of research where um, having adequate fiber might actually help with potassium control. And in, in theory, we don't want to discourage whole grains. This was an approach that was used many years ago um, that is still hanging around. So there is no study showing that if you eat whole grains, your potassium and phosphorus levels are going to go sky high. It's that we're actually finding the opposite. That's where some of those recommendations came from. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, more recently in my career, I, I've worked in dialysis and, and many of my patients did very well on plant-based diets on dialysis. And in fact, some of their numbers for potassium potassium and phosphorus were, were better than those on the animal-based diet. And they usually felt better. So, you know, and we're having studies come out showing that there's no need to discourage these foods in, in our patients. So any stage, I think you're going to see some of those benefits with the acid-base balance, the phosphorus load, helping with uremic toxins. Um, so at any stage, plant-based diet, whole food approach can be utilized. I want to go back to you, Eric, and ask you to talk about the challenges you had when you started and the strategies you used to get around them, or even how you might get through tough spots these days when you come up against a birthday cake or a, um, a meal that probably isn't uh, along the guidelines of a plant-based diet. Yeah. So I think from a, the challenges perspective, for me... Uh, right, I have an incredible support system here that was able to help me navigate the ups and downs. And, you know, I go back to when we started the whole foods plant-based diet, I was feeling the worst I felt ever with my kidney disease. So I'm, you know, right, napping three hours a day, the, the nausea, you know, all of those sorts of things. So having that support system was key for me. But I kind of go back to a point that I, that I made before around Food is a, is a very uh, important thing in our day-to-day -day lives that have uh, cultural impact, uh, how we interact with our family friend, family and friends, right, or around, uh, a lot of times around food, uh, right, going to restaurants, having family and friends over for dinner. What I found was that just taking it day by day and building small habits over time really helped me that it wasn't something that I was going to perfect 
right in the beginning, that I wasn't going to come out the gate after working with Brittany for uh, one session, right? Read through all the documents. Okay, Whole Foods, I'm going to eat lentils and quinoa and chickpeas. And all right, we're good. That wasn't a realistic approach for me, right? It was taking it uh, day by day, step by step, removing things from my diet that were shown, right, that you know wouldn't make me feel good. And I think it's kind of an important point to talk about that kidney disease patients, CKD patients, we talk a lot about the numbers, right, the potassium levels, the GFR, uh, what stage of kidney disease you're in. For me, put the numbers aside for a second. For me, it was just about how I felt. So whatever challenges I had when it came to diet, I knew that each incremental move that I made towards a whole foods plant-based diet made me feel a little bit better. And that's, I mean, that's the ultimate incentive, right? Uh, When you're looking at a diet like this is how do I feel on each day when I wake up, I'm able to play with my kids more now, right? All of those things, it was, it was hard, right? When I was, um, you know, dipping into those mid teens. So for me, overcoming the challenges were about the incentives associated with feeling better delaying transplant, delaying dialysis, all of those things for me were incredibly important to kind of maintain, right, the the life that I have now for as long as I can. So Eric, how did it work with your care team, your physician and your other healthcare providers in terms of talking about your nutrition therapy? Yeah, so I'm lucky to have a very close relationship with uh, my nephrologist, right? I see him quite regularly, like most other kidney uh, CKD patients out there. Um, but it's always an interesting discussion talking about diet with your nephrologist. So if I go back to the overwhelming majority of nephrologists that I've been to in my life, they would point to the palm of your hand and say, eat meat this size. They would say a deck of cards, right? That's the amount of meat that you're allowed to take in. Don't eat bananas. Don't eat potatoes, right? That was the uh, that was the directives that I were given. So it was um, a, a really good conversation with my nephrologist starting to you know kind of educate him on what I wanted to do right and advocating for myself to take on this new approach into what I'm putting into my body those conversations though were challenging because he had concerns as a nephrologist looking out for my health around malnutrition am I you know I'm about to need a transplant am I uh, you know malnutrition big concern there so making sure I'm getting the nutrients that I need in my body so I was fortunate enough to have Brittany really be able to step in and advocate for me um, from a science perspective uh, to really get my nephrologist on board. Yeah. So one thing I'll add to that is, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of these disbeliefs in in regards to plant-based eating, potential malnutrition, you know, are the beans and legumes, should we still be discouraging those with our patients? You know, and unfortunately that gets told a lot, you know, and, and I think it's just not being aware of what research we have available, um, and, and being in the know of that. So I always, um, you know, and most dietitians are going to be in, in communication with the care team. It should be a team approach um, in making sure that the patient stays well nourished, that we're, you know, going with research recommendations on what's going to be um, beneficial and helpful for the patient. So, you know, I, I will say that when I talk to a lot of nephrologists and, and primary care providers even about the recommendations for um, kidney nutrition and, you know, approaches that we could potentially try to improve um, outcomes for the patient. So in Eric's case, he didn't want to go on dialysis. He wanted to get a transplant. He wanted to use nutrition as that bridge to transplant. And that has been shown in research to be a viable um, effort to, to achieve that. 
Um, and, and that's what we're doing here with Eric. So, but we're doing it in a way where we're planning it and making sure there's no, there's no malnutrition. So, you know, having these discussions with your care provider is, and advocating for yourself is, is key. Um, and, and working, you know, having that team approach to improve patient outcomes. Brittany, for those of us that are interested in, in looking into the plant-based diet, can you uh, give us some pointers on how to get started? I always look at your experience in the kitchen. You know, what is your support there? If we're going to be switching to more a whole foods plant-based diet, how are we going to go about doing that? One would be, are, are you comfortable with following a recipe? Are you comfortable with preparing your own meals? That's where I would get started. So if, if that's something that you're not comfortable with, I would recommend cooking classes. So I, I hold cooking classes for all my clients to get them more comfortable in, in, in meal preparation and feeling more comfortable and confident in the kitchen. So that's you know one place I would start with. And there's all kinds of free online cooking classes so you can learn some of the basics in the kitchen. Meal prep and meal planning is very important important for anybody trying to follow through with nutrition um, recommendations or make improvements to their eating pattern. Um, when you meal plan and meal prep, you're preparing yourself for a busy work week when it's going to be a lot more challenging to actually implement that. Or on days when you're not feeling great, you sort of set yourself up for success with following through with those nutrition guidelines. So um, I would highly recommend getting more comfortable and confident um, in, in your own kitchen. That's great. And actually just drilling down a little bit, can you talk about nutrition labeling and specifically the Beyond Burger or plant-based burgers that are out there? We could say a plant-based diet, okay, but using a whole food plant-based diet, that's different. You know, someone could call themselves a vegetarian or um, a vegan even, but when you look at their eating pattern, they might be eating chips, crackers, cookies, you know, no fruits and vegetables. So where we see the benefits when it comes to kidney related issues and general health with heart health and diabetes prevention, the whole food plant based diet is where we see all those health benefits. So there's a difference there between calling yourself a vegetarian, what kind of vegetarian are you? So leading into the packaged products, there's all kinds of vegetarian um, dishes, the Beyond Burgers and you know, all kinds of options out there now for those who are vegetarian. So packaged products, unfortunately, can be high in salt. And, and that's one thing that we know that excessive salt intake, we could see faster progression and stage kidney disease, it can make blood pressure worse. So sodium is something we want to make sure we're not overdoing um, when it comes to protecting our health. So looking at those food labels, if you are looking at something that's packaged, I always have everyone look at sodium. So a general rule that I always give to all my clients I work with is a main meal item. We want to maybe aim for somewhere around 600 milligrams of sodium. If it's a side dish, condiment, snack, or something like that, if we're looking at a label, you know, less is better. But I usually say always have it be under 300 for those kind of things. So, but those kind of set in stone when looking at a label, your dietitian could help you figure out what's right for you. But always take a peek there. And another issue with these packaged products is we were talking somewhat about phosphorus. So we know that animal-based uh, proteins, that phosphorus, we absorb about 70%. Plant-based proteins, that phosphorus naturally in the plant-based sources of protein, we absorb about 40%. But there's also what's called phosphorus additives. Okay, so um, for example, we might be looking at a whole grain bread compared to a white bread. The whole grain bread is naturally going to have more phosphorus in there, but it, we're not going to absorb it that well, only about 40%. 
However, the white bread, yes, naturally, all that phosphorus and potassium is removed, but it might have additives in it. There might be phosphorus additives, and these additives we absorb at 100%. So meaning if we consume it in excess, it all has to be filtered by your kidneys. So I've found that some of these white refined products actually have more phosphorus compared to the whole wheat ones, just due to that absorption factor. So anything packaged, you have to be careful with all these additives as well. So just because it's plant-based or a vegan product does not necessarily mean that it might be more health healthy for you when looking at a packaged product just because of the sodium and the additives that might be in the food. Related to that, some of the labels don't have phosphorus on it. So where would someone find phosphorus content? Great question. I wish it was that easier. We now re now have potassium on the label, which we didn't have a few years ago. So that makes it a little bit easier for monitoring potassium. Um, but phosphorus, they don't have to put it on the label. So oftentimes we'll look at where it says sodium and protein and where phosphorus is nowhere to be found on that label. But you could identify if it does have phosphorus additives. And and studies have shown that in individuals that try to limit these, their bone mineral labs fared better. So for example, how to identify these, you look at the ingredients and you scan for the words FOS, P-H-O-S. They're going to be all these long, crazy words, but if you see that FOS, that's an additive. We don't know how much it's contributing to the food because they don't have to tell us, but you absorb mostly 100% of it. So it, it could be contributing a lot, could be contributing a little. Um, so that would be a, a place where I always educate patients on try to choose less processed food. Again, that whole food plant-based diet entails freshly prepared foods, less processed foods. That's where we're going to see a lot of these benefits. So, you know, that's one, one thing I would keep an eye out for, phosphorus and sodium. And one last thing I would like to point out on the label, for anyone that does have to monitor potassium, okay, so in a lot of packaged products, let's say we're looking at a veggie burger, and in one brand we see a regular veggie burger, right beside it we see low sodium in the same brand, okay, so unfortunately what manufacturers are doing to reduce that salt, they replace it with potassium chloride. Potassium chloride has a similar salty taste to salt, so it's a good option for that manufacturer to help their foods taste better. But some of these potassium chlorides or potassium additives can contribute significant potassium loads to that food product. So that's another thing to look out for. But th this one's a little bit easier because potassium now has to be stated on that label with how much it contains. So packaged products, there are a few things that you have to keep an eye out for. They're, just because it's vegetarian or vegan does not necessarily mean it's, it's more healthy. And Brittany, if um, someone's interested in learning more about the plant-based diet, uh, there's a lot of information out there on the internet. Uh, are there any resources that you can recommend? And also, how does someone tell what is a trusted source versus not on the internet when it comes to plant-based diet information? And anybody with, with kidney disease, I would highly recommend, no matter what stage you're at, is connecting with a renal dietitian because they are going to help you navigate this on what's best for you, what resources are going to be best for you. When looking online, you have to be careful. There's a lot of influencers out there now, I guess that's what they call them on, that are giving advice, giving health advice, but they might not have any medical background. So, you know, one thing that you have to be careful with and why I would highly recommend working with a dietitian is when shifting to a whole food plant-based approach diet, you want to make sure you're doing it in 
in a way where you're staying well nourished. You know, um, unfortunately, I, I see patients find me that they've, you know, made this shift on their own, you know, based on finding information, but they were doing it in a way where they were setting themselves up for malnutrition. You know, for example, like somebody that cuts out all dairy, you know, that's a great source of calcium and vitamin D. If you're going to more plant-based and not going to include those anymore, we have to do a little bit of planning or, you know, educate um, on where you're going to now find those nutrients on a plant-based diet. So there has to be some kind of planning involved. So that's where that dietitian or um, working with a health care provider, like a, your nephrologist or somebody that is in the know of some of the things to watch out for when making these shifts is helpful. Um, so I would highly recommend um, working with a professional when making this shift or you're trying to implement a little bit more. But when, when it comes to, you know, recipes and whatnot, there's all kinds of recipe resources online for doing more plant-based uh, approach. Um, there's, there's a few that I would recommend that contain nutrition analysis. So when you do have issues with kidneys, we're having to, you know, monitor multiple things, sodium, sometimes potassium, sometimes phosphorus. So it's good to have a recipe that states all that for you. So you could sort of look at that and say, is, is this an appropriate recipe for me. Um, so using recipes out there that have nutrition analysis available, I believe the National Kidney Foundation has um, a bunch of recipes. Eatingwell.com uses um, a lot of healthier recipes that have nutrient analysis. There, there's all kinds out there, but that would be the place to start to try to get some ideas on, on things that you could start trying um, to go more that direction with that whole food plant-based approach. Can you address uh, the state of insurance coverage for nutrition consults? I think that's a concern for people, the cost of, of working with a professional. Yeah, so unfortunately, this is a big area that we need to advocate on. We need to educate nephrologists, primary care providers, patients. Um, unfortunately, when I, I shifted into private practice, I, I was finding nephrologists didn't even know that insurance covered um, what's called medical nutrition therapy for those with kidney disease. So here in the United States, for example, all Medicare plans have 100% coverage for medical nutrition therapy to see a dietitian and get um, counseling and whatnot. And they cover it at 100%. So starting stage three, three and up, um, it's 100% covered. For commercial plans for insurances, they're all different. However, many of them do have coverage for nutrition. So if, if you're not aware of your what your plan covers, call them up and ask, do I have nutrition coverage? Um, so again, for me, when I made that shift, I was educating the providers because they weren't even aware. So I think just, you know, um, educating healthcare providers and the patient on coverage is, you know, the first step to get patients um, the resources they need um, in making um, nutritional and lifestyle changes. Thank you. And I want to just point out to our listeners that all these resources will be listed in the notes for the podcast. Switching back to you, Eric, uh, could you tell us what you would tell your younger self? If you could go back in time and give that young Eric heading off to college advice on um, his life with kidney disease. It, I was actually thinking about this a lot. And what I would tell myself uh, if I had to go back, right, the, you know, 2007 going into college would be small changes make a big difference. But the whole foods plant-based diet is about building habits. So for me, Right. I, I kind of ignored the advice of friends until it was a situation that I needed to do something. And it created 
more of a challenge, I think, transitioning to a whole foods plant-based diet than than it needed to be because it was extreme is we're going to cut all of this out. We're going to remove salt from my diet, right? Because it's also, it's not right the same as just a vegan diet. You have all these nutrient values that you have to track and that sort of thing. And for me, what I would tell myself is just start with small changes there. You don't have to do everything, even stage three, you know, just start with proper habits now so that if you get to the point where I am, right? It becomes an easy transition. It doesn't have to be so extreme. There are ways that you can build simpler habits in your life to just set yourself up for success in the future. So uh, if I were to go back and talk to myself, it would be that simple. Just start with the, the little things now so it's easier for you down the road. And one thing I would I would like to add on that is, you know, one reason why I did switch into private practice is I saw everybody at end stage, you know, where, you know, they were on dialysis, or they were getting their transplant. And the, the what caused me to switch is everybody always told me, you know, Brittany, I wish I would have knew about this earlier on in my disease course. And, and that got me thinking, you know, how could I make a better impact with my patients? How could I improve outcomes? And, and that would be working with those and earlier stages, because it has been shown in research that nutrition and lifestyle factors are going to play a big uh, role in the course of disease progression and outcomes. So that's really what made that switch. And I was in shock at how many individuals were not offered further information on nutrition and lifestyle habits. And as Eric pointed out, you know, when, when he found me, he was unfortunately nearing that dialysis. And unfortunately, that's when most people are referred to that kidney dietitian is when labs are abnormal, when we're having to really um, take a look at what's going on from a nutrition standpoint and um, when potassium levels are high, when phosphorus levels are high. But it's optimal to start seeing a dietitian as soon as you know you have a kidney disorder. So that way things could be implemented in a stepwise approach versus, you know, when I met Eric, we were having to address sodium, potassium, phosphorus, protein, plant-based. It gets overwhelming and, and very challenging to uh, attack all of those all at once. So you know, reaching out as soon as you know um, something's wrong so we could get the education process started earlier on and start working on making those lifestyle changes that are going to improve health outcomes. That's great. And I, I just want to put on my RN hat here and say that um, it's super important to get tested early for kidney disease, to know your kidney disease numbers or your kidney health numbers on your labs. Everyone knows their cholesterol, um, but does everyone know what your GFR is? Ask your providers, get tested. And if you have any signs of kidney disease, uh, find a renal dietitian and get to work. Thank you both so much for, uh, for your work and for sharing your, um, your expertise and experience today. Every episode, we celebrate your victories in the face of kidney disease. Today, we'd like to congratulate Sammy Harper from South Carolina on recently celebrating 20 years with her kidney transplant. Here's to another 20 more with your kidney, Sammy. Stay kidney strong. We want to hear from you. Do you have comments on this episode, suggestions on future topics or guests? Is there a kidney hero in your life that you'd like to honor? Email us at nkfpodcasts at kidney.org. Make sure to subscribe, review, and share our podcast with others. Thank you again for listening. We hope you join us next time. Until then, from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.